Welcome to episode 793 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 793 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oles. How you going, mate? I'm very good. Glorious day in Christchurch today. One of those days, long sleeve, short sleeve, couldn't figure it out, went the thin long sleeve option today for bike the bike up to Bevan's place. Well, you biked this week. Last week you didn't even bike. No, that was horrendous. Did you go out training that day? Cannot remember. No, I, I very much doubt it. Very much doubt it. Very much doubt it. It was horrific. The, the following morning, we had horrific weather. We had probably 48 hours of strong wind, didn't we? We did. Very strong. Like a, no no pause in wind. Just like the world was ending 48 hours. Following morning, I was coaching. We normally get about 80 people at that session. We had 10. That was bad. We had an indoor bike session. Yep. We normally do indoor bike and everyone goes for a run afterwards. Yep. Only one, Nigel Beardsley. Nigel, bar. you're a legend. <laughs> Went for a run. The rest of us said... Yeah, I think I'll save that for this afternoon. Nigel, you're an absolute blimmin' legend in my mind, mate. Okay, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by a new sponsor. Morton, sports nutrition that the champions use. And when we talk about champions, name the, name the guys who are using this. The big, we're the biggest athletes in our world. Uh, Frodo, Gustav Eden, Blumenfeld, and Flora Duffy. So if you were to say who are the five or six biggest athletes, there's four of them right there. Yep. And Elliot Kipchoge, who we all saw do the sub- to our marathon effort, along with a big number of the running fraternity. Um, it's now the on-course yeah, sponsor yeah. Uh, for Ironman events, and we've got some details for anybody in the States or in the EU uh, to get some free samples. And John's, I'm actually going to be trialling one on the show today. John's got me one. I'm pretty excited. He said it's jelly-like. It is. It's a, well, one of the gels. So I've got a drink and a gel, and he'll be trying that later on. Game on. Game on. Okay, uh, also to our patrons. Mark Hot Rod Dixon. We've got uh, Chris Shredit. Schroeder and David the Hound Winterbottom. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a product review. This is uh, the Morton we're going to be trying. Uh, I'm doing a segment. John emailed me, and this never happens. And he says, Bevan, I'm desperate. Do a segment. Make it light and fun. Well, it's not going to be light and fun. Oh, we're going deep. Disappointing. We're going deep. Uh, website of the week. Have we got a website of the week? Yes. Oh, and winger of the week. Okay, let's get into what we have. I'm in Mallorca. 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 Now, controversy. Controversy was that, that one? No, not oh, really. no, this is the other race. No, this is the this is the the Ditlev one. We'll talk about that in a yeah. moment, but uh, no, not controversy because Ruth Astle took out the females race, uh, and this is probably her biggest win of her career. So she is actually still the current Ironman uh, world champion age grouper, because the last the last time we had Kona was twenty nineteen. She won and the back age then. Group. She was an age grouper. Uh, won the age group. Turned pro after that, so she's actually been a pro for a couple of years, but she's still a the reigning age group champion from Kona and will remain so until next May. Uh, she has won some races here and there, but um, this is by far the biggest it's race of her on career. this race, and we'll talk about the second and third place females in a minute, but females' times weren't that fast, and yeah. then guys' times were. 
Yeah, so there is an hour difference there, and we'll, I'll delve into that in a moment. And you had Lisa Norton, so you had some good athletes. Like, it wasn't a poor field. Yeah, so Ruth Astle swam 55, biked 4.51, fastest bike spill of the day from what I can see, and then ran a 3.07.24. She had uh, a couple for coming from behind, closing in pretty fast. You had Justine Mathieu, uh, who finished just over a minute behind in 9 hours and 38 seconds, and then Christian Leopold, who's a fantastic runner, running a 3-hour and 4-second marathon, and I'll talk about the distances later on. Uh, and third, and Lisa Norton faded quite badly, so it was pretty similar story to what she did in Lake Placid. In Lake Placid, there wasn't anybody there to sort of dust up the, the crumbs. Uh, yep. This time there was, and she ran a 3.15, uh, only to do a 9.02, finishing in fourth place. So she still hasn't quite found her Ironman sort of zone I don't think no and, and you know realistically if she'd ran a 310 even she would have won the race so mm. like she obviously faded pretty poorly and didn't have the edge at the end and it's not like she's a good uh, uh, not like she's a crap runner you know she's a Olympic medalist yeah. she's very fast she's sewn over 70.3 she's awesome Ironman still got to figure out that some, that some, of, some of those athletes never get there but do they they don't no, you know, they, they can never quite conquer that ability to go long and fast mm. you know and it's not as fast in comparison to sprint but still so the men's race Men's race, uh, we had a pretty, very close race. Leon Chevalier took that out in 7.57.02. Less than a minute back and closing in was Florian Angert from Germany. And Cam Wirth, uh finished in third in 8.04. And you might go, oh, Cam Wirth, he crushed it not that long ago in Copenhagen. Still a good race. You know, he's still running a 2.53, so he's getting his run in the right sort of zone. But on this particular day, he still had... Had the fastest bike split, but Leon Chevalier managed to pretty much match him on the bike. So I've got to comment a bit on this Leon Chevalier. He's from France, didn't really know too much about him. And in terms of his stats, uh, he's only got 2019 and 20, we had one race in 2019, Challenge uh, Perega. And then this year, holy smoly, he has had a good <laughs> run. Holy smoly. Challenge Grand Canaria, uh, finished 11th. That was like a just about a bloody world championship field. Then he went over to the UK, did the Eaton Dorney Triathlon, which was a PTO-supported one, got second. Got third at Ironman UK, got second at Alpe d'Huez Triathlon, won Embra Man, and then uh, got second in the in a race in France, Triathlon Long Royan, uh, and then he's taken out Ironman Mallorca against a good quality field, so look out for that name coming up. Now, at the same weekend, 80k up the road, we had a challenge, how is that, Mallorca? At Mallorca. Mallorca, and it was a half-distance race. Now, this was the one with a bit of controversy in the men's race, so... What happened? No, was, no, Bevan, you're getting confused. Oh, what, what, what race are we getting? We're yeah, they, yeah, it was it was last week's. So we, we oh, talked about it last okay. week. We no go. controversy this one, other than there being two races on a pretty what small island. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, pretty. This never happened before, is it? Well, no, it's because everything's just getting so condensed. Um, so, I guess they want the tourists over there. They want the athletes over there. Um, good time of the year would have been a pretty pretty difficult place to probably get around at the weekend. But uh, hey. Two races, good racing as well. Nicola Spurg took it out. It was only half. She won by about a minute over Imogene Simons and Lucy Hall, uh, who was third. And then on the guys' side, Frederick Funk took it out for by about 40 seconds odd over Colin Chartier, who's had a great finish to the season. And Magnus Ditlev was in third place. Okay, um, that's why I'm confused because, okay, keep going. So, yeah, good, good racing. I wonder, who, wonder the size of the field's difference. You know what I mean? Like I wonder what each field... Have in regards to participants in the race. You'd think Ironman would probably win it, but in a half? Who knows? I have not checked that out. One thing I've got to comment on, Lucy Hall, bloody hell, man, she's raced 
three half Ironmans in three weeks and three good results. Now, granted, she she did get third in this result, but that's against Nicholas Spurig and Imogene Simons, who are two of the best 70.3 athletes in the world, and she was not far off uh, beating them. So hats off to her, three races in three weeks. And a couple of others sort of note as well, like uh, Magnus Ditlev and uh, Colin Chartier, who seems to be sort of rocketing up the rankings. They've both done a hell of a lot of races, four uh, half Ironmans in the last sort of seven weeks. It's all good. I do, I do get a bit concerned how much athletes are racing these days, both of the short and the long distance. You know, they're just racing so much. You think about... The ITU, not ITU, World Triathlon athletes, you know, they're doing the World Triathlon series. So are we seeing halves. them break? We're not seeing them break, but I just wonder about the old ticker issues further down in life. You know, we're seeing you know, more and more and more pro athletes having those sort of issues once they've retired, and they weren't doing this amount of racing. So well, I don't know, I, I'm not concerned. Probably the counter argument to that, and I'm just playing a bit of devil's advocate here, is our understanding of recovery strategies and all the other stuff is much higher than what it used to be. Mm. You know, you think in the 90s, you know, you'd, they'd be racing and then going to the pub kind of thing, you know, like it was, a, maybe not to the pub, but you know what I mean? Like it was mm. the understanding of the functioning, of, you know, even just like your heart rate variability and all that kind of stuff. They are getting better feedback loops, which maybe means they'll be able to manage it better. Fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. Now, I finally get to... <laughs> finally, <laughs> third time lucky. So, Challenge Montenegro last weekend happened, and Magnus Ditlev won the race, but got disqualified. And at first, he got a five-minute penalty, because what happened was he, he did 400 metres short because he cut the course, but he cut the course following the lead bike. Mm. So, he just followed the person who was on the lead bike. At first, he got a five-minute penalty, which meant he still won the race. But then, after the fact, they went to the triathlon rules, and they said, actually... Um, he's disqualified. Mm. Now, nicely, so then it meant that Patrick Langer was the winner, but nicely, all the pros said, well, we're going to kind of put our money towards make sure he gets the winning prize money because we think that's unfair. But now it's been reinstated. They took it back to a five-minute penalty, which meant he was still the winner. Best outcome, isn't it? Well, it is, but why have rules then? <laughs> it's like, it's not his fault. I've got nothing against him at all. But if you've got a rule that says if you cut the course, you disqualify it. So how can you how can you not disqualify him? I don't quite understand it. I th- I think it's a nice result, and it's and nobody. But is it a stupid rule? Well, you've got to yeah, you can't yeah, cut the course. Is there a rule where if you cut the course, you're disqualified? But yeah. if you cut the course because it's the organizer's fault, mm. then there's a five minute penalty. Because come on, yeah. like it's not his fault. Oh yeah, no, no, it's not his fault at so all. So why should well, he be punished? No, it is. He's supposed to know the course. I know. I know that's again playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, so come on how many courses do you know when you go like every corner mm. no none but it's your responsibility to know the course it's in the it's in the it's in the fine point yeah. the bullet points so. I think there should be two rules I do think if it's a cut the course and you know you did it and it's no one else's fault but then you're disqualified but something like a five minute penalty due to the fact that you followed the organiser's mistake mm. you know I know it's not the, like you're the event organiser you're more the lead cyclist but still You'd be gutted. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no. It's not fear. Easy answer, but no. why have the rule if you can just overturn it? Okay, Ironman California's coming up, Jombo. This is going to be potentially epic because we have Jan Frodeno, the undisputed king of bloody everything in our sport, the goat, up against uh, <laughs> Gustav Eden, who is pretty much the king of uh, half iron distance racing, and I would. Say, you know, is he if Frodo had gone to the uh, to the 70.3s, would he have 
I think Gustav well, would have been very close. Yeah, you can't say he's the king, but well, he's won no, two titles and he's won Daytona. Yeah, but, but so is Frodo. Who's won. Frodo hasn't turned up. You can only race who's turning up. Who won the last one before? Who won last year's seventy point three? Uh, well, was he's won the last two. Gustav Eden's won the last two. So yeah. and he won. Uh, Has he beaten Daytona? That's a good question. I don't know. And there was only there was. 20, I think this is the battle for the crown. Well, there was twenty seven no, seconds between them at Collins Cup as well. So and they were you know a, a few. And Frodo was the faster. Yes, he was. So I don't think you can call him the king. Well, whatever. He's pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I get it. Uh, so, but he's totally untested over, over iron distance race. So. My gut feeling is it's going to go one of two ways. He's going to go awesome, and that might not necessarily mean he wins. He might go awesome and, and have a really close race, or he could detonate completely. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? What's his history? Uh, well, he's an ITU athlete, very strong ITU athlete, and probably doesn't get quite enough credit. Like, I think he finished eighth at the Olympics, I think it was. Okay. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, and but not a dominant ITU athlete. No, 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 no. And his run, his swim's a little bit suspect, and his run is not quite as fast as the the the, the front. But when big, he pulls over to seventy point three, you can just nail it. But every seventy point three, uh, well, let me just have a look. Let's let's just pull up his results here. Okay. Hold on a second. Uh, so he's from Norway. There's about bloody four of them now. These Norwegian dudes, and they are weapons, and they're all very young. He's well, he's twenty five now. Currently ranked number one in the world. Uh, his weight sixty six kgs. Really. And his birthday, if you want to know, is on the fifth of January. Oh, happy birthday! So his results so far this year is first at the seventy point three World Championships and absolutely dominating the dojo there. Uh, second fastest time at Collins Cup, eighth at the Olympics. He got ninth at the WTS in Yokohama. Last year he won Challenge Daytona, um, which was uh, just an epic field. Uh, there was a race called the Rattingang, who he which he won, and then he got a tenth at the WTS in Hamburg. Matt Rattingen race that he did, who did he beat there? Peter Hemmerich, Frederick Funk, a few others, so mostly Germans. Um, the year before, won the 70.3 World Champs. So of his half iron distance races, he's got a second in Bahrain, which is behind Christian Blumenfeld. He's got a first at the 70.3 World Champs. He's got a first at Challenge Daytona, which was almost a half. And then he's got a first at the 70.3 World Champs again. So bar one result, Almost undefeated over the half distance. So then the question is, he's 25, so he's still got potentially a long time in ITU or World Triathlon Series. Um, if he wins this weekend, do you see him transition and just become a full-time long course? Well, I think these guys, these young guys, think they can do it all. So <laughs> we've, got, we've gone back to the, to the early days, haven't we? Well, no, we haven't yet. That's what they think they can do. Whether they can do it or not is a different story. And I think what we've got is... a Bit of a perfect storm this year because uh, Olympics are another couple of years away so they can afford to spend the next 12 months trying their hand at long course and seeing where they're at. You do think um, it might be slightly to the detriment of their short course racing, but those Norwegians seem to do some pretty big volumes, so maybe, maybe not, but uh, I think they think they can do it all. Maybe not in one calendar year. Like, I think it'd be pretty hard ass to win Olympics and then win. Um, but like for someone like, like Gustav, so he is. Let's say he wins this weekend, he beats Frodo, which is a pretty big statement. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you beat Frodo, and, and, and Frodo's in good nick, you know, so it's not that Frodo crashes or, or kind of fades. Um, he'd have a much more like. Is he got? Could you see him get an Olympic medal? Uh, you'd need he'd need the cards to go his way. You know, it'd need to be like a breakaway or something like that. Realistically, probably not. Like he's 
Blumenfeld, yes, he obviously got the goal. Yeah. Um, Gustav Eden, probably not. Yeah, so that's what I think would be really interesting is, is if he wins this weekend, does he start to go, actually, I've got much more money and future in front of me if I just go long? You'd think so, but often it's that enjoyment factor. You know, you'd say the same thing about a lot of the athletes, you know, Brownlee and Bevan Doherty yeah. and Gomez. Why didn't they go long early? Go- Gomez tried it and he, he was he didn't have a good Kona, but he won in Ken's yep. Ironman. And he goes, no, I'd rather do short course. Yeah, so, fair enough. Yeah, and, and you can race more often. Yeah. yeah totally. um, so he's not the only, they're not the only two that are racing, but that's what I think most people are excited about. Um, we have got... Sanders is on the line, but when Sanders is awesome, but we saw in the in the tri battle that when he's at his best and Frodo's at his best, there's, there's, a, there's a pretty big yeah. gap. If they're not at their best, different story. He's awesome, and so he's going to be in the mix. And the problem with Sanders is because he's not a good swimmer, he's not really in the race until the end. No. So he's not a player. He's not really influencing the race. He's kind of chasing to get to the race. Mm. Um, and so while he's an amazing athlete, he doesn't make the race more interesting. Whereas if you get someone who's a bit of a biker, swim biker. Mm. You know, like the old days when you had like a Norman Stadler or something like that, which a lot of times they blow up. But if they could pull it off, it did make it interesting. You got uh, Cameron Werfer's name is on the start line. Be interesting to see if he doubles up two two in a row. Maybe last weekend was a training day. Uh, pretty strong field. So uh, Ben Hoffman, Lionel Sanders, Boris Stein, Justin Metzler. So it's good good times. There's no female pro race here. Uh, suspicion is it's a pretty flat course, a very flat course. You kind of think that Fast day. Um, Gustav Eden is probably going to ride up to Fredino, hopefully. There might be a bit of a gap in the swim, and then they'll ride together and then uh, see what happens on the run. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, you're just saying it looked a little bit short on the bike last weekend. Run was about right. Yes, so this was at the Challenge Mallorca where you were stating, Bevan, the times were pretty quick. Um, when I looked Well, no, the difference between the, the like, different yeah. males and the females. The times are kind of strong nowadays. It was sub eight. But <laughs> Which, oh, it's just a strong day. Well, sub but you eight. know, now we're seeing you know, low 40. Yeah. So, like, it, it's, a, a sub eight is just a strong, like, it was 7.57 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And then the girls were the one only one person went under nine. It was like eight fifty nine or something. So I was just interested in the difference. So Monday course accuracy check. Cam Worth on his Strava file had one hundred and seventy seven k's. I looked at one or two others and they looked about the same. And then on the run forty two point six three on Cam Worth and there was a couple of others that were in that sort of neighbourhood. So a little bit long on the run. Um, and yeah, you know, it's just one or two minutes, but that makes those run times look even more impressive. Uh, so we would have seen a sub three hour on the females and uh, some quicker time for the boys. So pretty fast racing though overall for, by the guys especially. Okay, last week's discussion we were talking about, we had that email. Actually, we've got an email back from that guy. I have to, I'll, I'll pull it up as we're kind of talking. Um, which pros would be the best if they had to do a continuous Deca Ironman? So it's a 38k swim, 1800k bike, and then a 420k bike ride. And you can go first, John, while I pull up this email. Well, it's an it's a, it's a interesting one. Yeah, and I don't, none of us really know the answer. Um, but it's always interesting to hear some people's feedback. And there's some interesting comments that came out of this one. Um, let's see. I'll start at the bottom. And professional podcast yeah, here is, that it is. Yeah, uh, Mike Canning says, Chrissy Wellington uh, and uh, Christian Blumenfeld. He's felt Christian Blumenfeld. Interesting. The old uh, autocorrect has gone crazy on him. Uh, yeah, Chrissy Wellington. Awesome athlete. Bigger athlete. Probably, probably pretty durable. Um, good, he probably got a pretty good headspace for that sort of stuff, I'd imagine. Christian Blumenfeld, I reckon he'd just go out too hard. Yeah, because it's de- a patience de- game, de- that game, isn't it? Uh, Richard Kingsford's got, I think, Joe Skipper. Most of the time is biking, 
uh, and we know he's proven over the long time trial. He did a 326-mile record for 12 hours. I also think his attitude is brilliant. Interview him at halfway, and we have through a dozen stories to tell. He is absolutely, I loved it. A few people said Joe Skipper. Pike Redden said Joe Skipper as well. Chrissy McKinley, the old grinder, uh, said Dee Dee Griesbauer. She has uh, that. She's done that sort of twenty-four hour something or other, uh, or some bike record. Dee Dee Griesbauer. She's the commentator you often hear on the Ironman coverage, and she's an awesome swim biker. And she's getting long in the tooth for for a pro athlete. Who's this? Dee Dee Griesbauer. Oh yeah. Uh, she's not a very good runner, but I don't think that really matters. The run is more about. If you can keep going and if you're durable enough, it's not necessarily the fastest runner that would win this sort of event, I don't think. Okay, uh, I've got Jared Crump here. He's got, to me, it would need to have the number one criteria being efficiency. That would count, count Lionel out for his swim and run. I'd have to say for Dino, only because across all three he is faultless. And from the previous generation, I'd say Craig Alexander. Craig Alexander's a great answer. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously not right now. Without a doubt, the same reason. I think with the woman, I'd stick with Daniela and you, Lucy. I just think Fredino's too big. Daniela Reef? No, no, Fredino. Fredino. I think he's he's not. Too, he's just too skinny and yeah, but he's quite tall as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think you that. think you want someone who's compact and really, really like kind of like a Rini. Yeah, you know, just someone who's really efficient. Not a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm pulling out my butt, but you know. And nobody knows the answer to this. Yeah. It's all speculation. Nigel Burgess, he says Lionel Sanders because he's got the mindset for extending himself where others fear to go and a hunger for the Uber challenge. Paul Williams has got Hilary Biscay for the woman. Uh, multiple back-to-back Ironman racing as well as Ultraman. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Cam Brown for the men. Super efficient runner, 30 years of aerobic base and had did a huge mileage training under Molina. But he's but, but he's been injury. Yeah, and I, Cam's awesome, but he's he's... These days, he's battling a few little niggles here and there. So, uh, Daniel Flattery says Frodo, not because he's the current best in the world, but because he has the best triathlon brain in the world. And then a toss-up between Daniela Reef and Anne Haug. That's a really good question. Who has the best triathlon brain? Oh, God. That's a really, but, you know, because you, you'd say Fredino, but he's also got the most talent. Mm-hmm. Or you could say Blumenfeld because he bloody went the extra, yeah, he, dug a bit deeper, and then you could yeah, say, which is um, a good question. Uh, Duncan Penfold's got Pete Verbusik has to be a contender, although he's probably a bit long in the tooth now. But uh, there are a few female pros to go from one day racing to Ultraman: Hilary Biscay, Kate Bellavacqua. Um, but for the men, surely Joe Skipper is fast, tough, and resilient enough. Maybe Cam Worth, maybe his cycling days can help him. Uh, Melissa Uri says Kate, Kate Bevilacqua, uh, so she's an Australian, she used to be a good iron distance athlete, I thought she's done Ultraman a few times, I'm sure she has. Yeah, she has. Um, and we haven't interviewed her, so yeah. I should know that. Yeah. Uh, she also says Dee Dee Griesbauer, Lucy Charles, very adaptable to changing distances, Lionel, no chance, he would blow himself apart for pushing too hard at the start, Cam Worth, doing long bike ride tours shows he would be solid over multiple days, and Joe Skipper as well. That's pretty much it. John Boy, what are your thoughts? Oh, there's one more. Steve Diodonis. Uh, he says, Woman's Terry Schneider, third in Kona in 1992. Uh, Reef. And he says, Men, Hoffman, and Langer. Uh, we, we probably should have put the, the angle of um, all time as well. Mm, I should have done that. Yeah, we should have done that. But okay, who are you thinking? Well, you've got to pick somebody, as you were sort of saying, that's kind of reasonably compact yep. and efficient. And so you can't. And tough. Yeah, and tough. So those are the main characteristics you're looking for. So you count out the bigger athletes. Um, you count out the athletes who you see maybe maybe DNFing. Well, another, another question to say is where, where are you going to spend the most time? Like the swim's pointless. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's been you know of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, you're probably going to spend more time cycling. Yes. So having a strong cycle, but all we have to be have to run is going to be pretty important. Um, the run is just about durability. Yeah. It doesn't I don't care. It doesn't. It's not about who can run fast. It's just about being able. So you're to going to make your time on the bike, aren't you? Hmm. So I've got down here on my list, uh, Braden Curry, because he's done. Uh, a, yeah, true. A lot of ultra distance sort of multi-sport type stuff. Yep. Pretty seems like pretty headstrong and uh, knows how to dig pretty deep. Not the prettiest athlete when he's running, but he's he sort of ticks quite a few boxes. I put Frederick Van Leerd. I remember watching him. You know, he's won Kona once, um, but he was quite efficient, quite strong on the bike, strong all round. But when he runs, he's probably wouldn't you wouldn't say he's like that classical runner with a really high heel lift and high high knee drive. Quite quite an efficient athlete. Quite a few people have said Danielle Reef. I agree with that. Mary Beth Alice was another one that um, yeah, she was she was just a, a compact mover, wasn't she? And mm, efficient and small. Yep. Tough, used to race a lot and sort of came from that um, Brett Sutton school. So, uh, and I also had Natasha Badman just because she was always seemed to be so effortless when she mm. was on the bike. Pretty crappy swimmer, but I don't think that would count against her too much there. Um, I had Dave Scott. Did you have the, what was her bike? The Libra? What the, was it? The, the, the Cobra? The, the Cheetah. Cheetah? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. the Cheetah, yeah. Yeah. I uh, had Dave Scott down there just because he was tough as nails. And I haven't got any Germans in my list here. You'd have to throw a few Germans in there. Not necessarily the big kahunas that involved one Kona, but there's so many strong Germans. So that was my little list. Greg Land, that was the guy who inspired the, the question, he was just saying, we were talking about how the race last week, about the race they were doing around New York. It's, around the It's laps. kind of mainly walking. But he was saying the fastest guy actually is... You know, kind of going about six, six and a half k an hour. So it's, it's slightly faster than walking. Mm. Um, and it's probably pause as well. He's basically doing about 2.7 marathons a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thinks that it would be he would go Reef or Chrissy. And he didn't have a male. So there you go. And it's the question would a female actually be better? Oh, could easily match. Yeah. Them. Yeah. 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 You know, because we know when we look at those ultra marathons, some of the females are actually beating some of the top men now mm-hmm. as well. So that the longer we go, the, the kind of. The difference between the sexual ability is seems to be lessened, doesn't it? Sexual ability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> How's your sexual ability going, <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, this week, uh, what have you got given up for triathlon? We got an email through last week from Neil Lord Flashheart Thompson saying, I'm sitting here contemplating my 2022 season. I'm seriously considering whether I can risk continuing mountain biking given the high medical risks and the adverse impact on triathlon. Yeah, we read this last week, didn't we? we did. Injury after injury. So we basically said, and he's got his question was, what are people's experience about having to stop or give up something in favor of being able to continue try? So what we're going to do is the question is, what have you given up for triathlon? It could be mountain biking, so you don't crash or hurt yourself. Another sport, so you don't make time for, or you have more time to spend doing something completely different. So what have you given up to just be a triathlete? Bevan, it's time for a toilet break. Oh, okay. Here's a pause. Here we go. Product Review Center. Oh, and we've got an amazing product here, John. I've actually got I've got a sample here in front of me. I haven't opened it yet. John said, don't taste it until we start. I'm pretty excited about this because it seems to be it is the number one contender out there right now. 
It is. So it's called Morton. Uh, and first came on the radar for most of us, or some of you may never have heard of it, um, when they did the sub, sub two. two hour. Yeah. And I've, it's been a product I've wanted to try for ages and just haven't got around to it. And when you see people like Elliot Kipchoge using it, you're going, this, is, uh, this has got to be pretty good probably. And then when you see Frodo, Gustav Eden, to me, to me, To me, that's a big one. Because, you know, a lot of nutrition products are just about sponsorship. Mm-hmm. But Kachobli did everything to get that sub two, mm. you know. So they would have that wouldn't have been a sponsorship thing, and I'm sure you know maybe they did sponsor them, but they would have gone just what's the best product to mm-hmm. help me achieve this goal, and it was a significant moment in human excellence, mm. and they went with this product. So to me, that's a real big endorsement. And if you don't really follow mar- marathon running that much, you probably saw that. But he is the Frodo of marathon running. Well, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. He is the goat. And I know you hate the goat, but you can't deny it, he's can you? He's the greatest of the current generation. No, he's the greatest <laughs> of all time. <laughs> um, but also, Kip, yeah, Kipchoge, Blumenfeld, Duffy, Gustav Eden, Fredino. Uh, so there's lots of sports nutrition products out there. We all know that. Um, this one is quite different, and Bevan's going to find that out in mm. a moment. Uh, so they do gels and drinks, but it's it's the, the guy that came up with it um, is came up with this sort of formula that's quite different. So we've got to think, when we're having sports nutrition, the number one objective for us long-distance triathletes or triathletes in general is not to have any GI issues. So whatever you do, whatever path you're going down, that's objective number one. Objective number two is to try to maximise your carbohydrate intake, um, factoring in number one. So you want to take in as much as you possibly can without having any GI issues. Um, yeah. Now, the, the difference with this, these products is the pathway to get the nutrients down into your intestine where you absorb it. So when you take in um, nutrition, it goes into your mouth, goes down your throat, into your stomach, the acids start breaking things down, and then it moves on through, through to your intestine. What happens with this product that's quite different is when you consume it in the drink format, it goes into your stomach, and then there's this, uh, uh, like a gel that goes around the glucose sort of molecules and that, that helps keep them intact to actually go through to your intestine where you can absorb it which means you can absorb more of that carbohydrate so it's actually getting more of the energy from from the gel yeah and the difference with the the gel well, that's with the drink that's how it works with the drink yep. and there's a little youtube clip we'll have up on our site mm. we'll probably put it on facebook as well and it actually shows it when they pour it into uh some liquid that is the same um, acidity as your stomach it sort of shows that chemical change from just being a powder to like a gel and then it goes through to your intestine and then that gel kind of releases and then you can absorb the the glucose and um, other nutrients the difference with the gel is that's already got that sort of um, process happened process happening so you're kind of consuming it with the the hydrogel all the way around it so that's the key difference with this product is it's a different pathway to your intestine that means you can absorb more and so to give people a bit of an understanding of what you can absorb it varies massively you know some people can handle with current mm. techn- uh, current sort of nutritional products, maybe 40 grams of carbohydrate per hour, up to maybe about sort of 80-ish. Some people can handle a bit more 80's than a that. lot. Yeah, 80's, yeah. 80's up there. Um, but if you can handle that, that's great. Yeah. With this product, athletes seem to be able to handle significantly more. Which is a massive advantage. Massive. Because it's yeah. your fuel. If you, if you can get more energy in, yeah. that's going to give you a massive advantage on race day. So we've got a special deal here. Um, for anybody in the US and anybody in the EU, um, you can basically get a couple of free gels oh, um, supplied. And everybody, including those places, uh, elsewhere in the world, there's some special pricing, introductory pricing, where you can actually 
get some product, test it out. And why this is really, really important is um, Morton are now the sponsor for most Ironman races, um, majority in the US, EU, Australia, South Africa. Um, some races have their own sponsors um, and they're not the supplier in Asia or Latin America. But when you're on the run course, so they're supplying the gels on the run course, that's what's going to be on offer. And we always say, don't try anything new on race day. And as Bevan's going to find out in a moment, if you tried this gel on race day, you'd probably get a little bit of a shock okay. because it's quite different uh, in terms of its consistency that you find with other gels. You know, I, I kind of put the gels on a bit of a spectrum where you've got like a really watery gel yeah. um, and we have some in New Zealand called like a pure a pure gel and they're really watery. And the it's high almost, five ISO gel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And so that's one, one end of the spectrum. You've got ones in, in the middle that are kind of syrupy yeah. and then you've got yeah, the ones the at the gluggy. end which are like the goos and the really thick yeah. ones. This one does not fit on that spectrum. It's uh, it's more of a jelly sort of consistency. Oh, I'll try it. <laughs> and, uh, and so if you had that on race day, you'd be going, oh, this is not like any sort of normal gel and it'd probably be a bit of a shock to the system. So irrespective of whether you want to go down the path of using this product full on or you just want to have it as a backstop on race day, get a couple of free samples um, and try it out, and then you've got that option on race day. Um, plus, I think it's a fantastic product. Um, so, so what are your first experiences of it? So I, I used a couple of, uh, couple of products over the weekend. Um, the gel was one. And these were relatively short sessions, um, so it's, I haven't really judged it in a race environment and yep. to say, hey, that product lasted me for four hours and that's all I took and I was absolutely fine. It was really more of a taste test and just check it out. Um, but yeah, I took the gel and opened it up, went in, and as you're going to find it, Bevan, I was like, whoa, that's not what I was expecting. Okay. And I was almost eating it. Um, oh, wow. But the main thing for me is after having it was it was a very light flavour didn't have really any anything sitting in my mouth, mouth afterwards. So, so it, it didn't taste like really sweet because often can be that way. No. So just had it and then had a swig of water afterwards and it was, like, it was like I hadn't had anything. Okay. And so that's, you know, when you're racing and you Especially often if you've got have GI that problems, gel. Especially you know, you get to well, all flavour in your mouth. You just, you know, you have a lot of gels these days and you have it and then you've, you've consumed, you've had a bit of water to sort of wash it down a bit, but you've still got that flavour in your mouth. And that was a key difference to me. Had it in my gut. Afterwards, like, oh, it doesn't even really feel like I had a gel. Okay. Uh, so that was sort of my first test. And then the other and when one. when you say that, you mean as in the taste. Taste. Yeah. The second one, then I had the drink. They've got two varieties of drink. Got a lighter um, carb and a higher carb. Yeah. And, and that's quite important to understand why they would do that. One has got 40 grams of carbohydrate. Um, and the other one has got 80 grams of carbohydrate. Oh, wow. And so you've got to think about what's your overall strategy. So... Of course, you want to be maximizing your carbohydrate intake, but are you going to be, if you're in a hot race and you're going to be consuming lots of fluids, then you might go for the lighter one because you're going to be going through, say, two bottles per hour or, or a liter per hour. If you're in maybe a hotter race, then you might go, uh, a cooler race, sorry, then you're going to be consuming less liquids, then you might go for the um, the one with the higher carbohydrate. So they've got uh, a 160 mix and a 320 mix. The 160 has got 40 grams of carbs, the 320 has got 80 grams of carbs. So I tried the 160, found it had a really light flavor. Again, didn't really have much of an aftertaste, um, sort of lingering around. Um, the 320 I know has got a slightly stronger flavor, but still, if I put this on a spectrum to pretty much any other sports drink I've had, the 160 was very, very light. And you're getting 
a really strong amount of carbohydrates. Um, so 40 grams is still quite a bit more than most sports drinks. Um, others, you know, there's plenty out there that are in the range of 40 to 70 grams of carbs per serving. Um, but at 40, for the, the taste, it seemed to work really, really well for me. And again, you can't just think in terms of the amount of carbs you're taking in. It's more that pathway in terms of getting it to your intestine and your absorption. Mm. So Bevan, without further ado... Okay, I, here I go. So as Bevan opens up and tries it, uh, the gel has got 25 grams of carbs, so that's pretty similar to... They have to, got a caffeine version as well. They have. Apparently, yeah. Hayden Beta was saying to me last night, I said, oh, I tried the Morton gel, I really quite liked it. And he said, I... Oh, Get the caffeine one and it'll blow your socks off. So he was uh, raving about that. Okay, so I'm talking you through it. So I'm opening it right now. I've opened the label. I'm just looking at it right now. <laughs> I did not do that when I was on oh, the bike. It does, it, is, it does look like a jelloey, you know, like I'm... Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, the packaging is pretty cool as well. Not that that really matters mm. when you're having a product, but it's kind of a bit apple sort of... Pr- um, uh, packaging, you know, black and I white. I love it. Quite you simple. know why I love it? Why? <laughs> you're eating I love, it. I love jelly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. It's actually, it's a really easy consumption. Mm. It is. It's the easiest way to try to explain it is like eating jelly, I think. It really is. It's kind of like, kind of a nice, because you know what I love? One of my favorite things is like, is Turkish Delight. Now it's a bit, oh, it's, nice. it's not as thick as a Turkish Delight. Yeah. But it, you know, I like a kind of a jelly texture mm. and it goes down really quick because you kind of just crunch it through your mouth a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Just, just think of a, a jelly, probably a little bit thicker than a normal jelly. Yeah. Um, and as you say, the aftertaste is pretty minor. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the other bit benefit... I'm already feeling the energy too. <laughs> He's fired. Get, I'm fired up. Get I'm, ready. I'm for going for a run. Bevan's segment's coming up. He said it was going to be a bit deep, but it might go off. <laughs> the one other advantage that I hadn't really thought about until Hayden mentioned it last night when I was running is he says, oh, yeah, it's the good thing he liked about it is you don't get mess all over your hands when you're in a race oh, and you get shit all over your hands. Uh, he just says, you know, with this, it's not like there's a gel sort of seeping out the top. Um, so I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rush over this than any other gel that's out there. Mm. And, and I'm not just saying that because we're you know doing this plug right now, but I like like it's an enjoyable kind of consumption experience. Not a forced. Yeah, thing. you know, and sometimes when you know like a lot of gels, it's kind of like a bit sickly. It's trying to get it down quickly, and mm. as you say, because it's a bit more of a thicker texture, you're not going to lose half of it when you're out in the race. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if we think of like the watery ones, getting it in, you're trying to get in. Whereas this, it's a bit thicker. You can take a bit of time, but it's not thick in a way where it's gluggy. You know, mm. like you think like the goose, they get in your mouth and you. Spend the next five minutes just trying to get it out of your teeth. Whereas mm. this here is that jelly works really well. Mm. Big fan. So there you go. Morning gels. I'm going to laugh for but, but I think you'd probably agree. Tell me if you don't. But if you got that in a race, you'd be a bit shocked going, oh, that's not, yeah, not a regular gel. Well, I think the, the real proof, the real, like, okay, we like that it's easy to consume and it's actually quite a nice experience. But more importantly, you're going to race better. Mm. Because you're going to have more carbohydrates, you have more energy, and we all know in the last part, especially in endurance sport, in the last part of the race, if you're lacking energy, it's game over. So it's just it's a good investment in your race performance. So if you're in the US and the EU, get onto either our Facebook page uh, or get onto our website. There'll be a link there. Click on that. Two free gels. Try it out yourselves. And here's the thing, John. Mm. I'd already, John and I always have a glass of water. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I, I drank my glass of water before he did this, <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, shit, I've stuffed up here because I probably would have needed some water post having the gel. I don't actually feel any water right now. There you go. You know, mm. so 
Highly recommend. So go get free, if you're in the US or the EU, get yourself a free sample anywhere else in the world. Still click on the link, you can get a discount on buying some products. Try them out. Uh, a, we think they're better than other products, but B, uh, it gives you the opportunity if you're on race day and you, you need a gel, then you know what you're, you're getting yourself in for. So check it out. Okay, so what we're going to say here is um, the link to get the free sample will be in the show notes for this week's show. Uh, we'll also put a link on maybe our front page where we have our sponsors. Yep. yep. And, and John, well. John put a Facebook post up there as well. So if you want to get a free sample again, it's at this stage only US and EU. But check it out. It's, it, hey, free sample. It's worth doing, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. Uh, Bivens segment. He has put a lot of detail into this. I know exactly what he's talking about. So we have show notes each yep. week, and I sort of write uh, 95%. John does great up. work, and he puts a lot of work into it. And Bivens then, segment's got, I've got this. I've got this. I'm just going to do some emailing here. No, because you're, 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 you're a big part of it. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So what I'm we're going to do. I'm an introvert, Bivens. You have to take it easy. I have to, yeah. I have to tell take me your life story. No, so, so one thing we, we often have is there's aspects of ourselves that we want to change. But we don't never change them. And, and I'm going to take you through a process. And, and if you're listening to this, kind of if you, maybe as you're listening to it, kind of think of an area. So what I'm going to use is a series of questions to help John create change in his life. But nervous. But nervous. Well, let's look at it as a triathlete. Mm-hmm. So what's one area as an athlete where you know you should change? And at times you start doing the work. But actually, I call it this thing of going back to default. So going mm-hmm. back to default is, um, here's an example. If you're in a relationship, I guarantee you've probably had this. Relationship's a bit rocky at the moment, not going that well. So <laughs> it's not you're not breaking up, but you're just in that place where you may be a little bit disconnected. So you you sit down with your partner and you say, We're gonna start doing date nights. Have <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you heard that? Yeah. So so week one comes around and you plan this and you do your date night and it's actually a really cool experience and, and you feel connected. You might even get some, you know, bit of bit of loving at the end of it if it goes well. <laughs> so you have this really good experience. Second week comes along and you do it again and and actually, it's proving to be a really valuable thing for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Third week comes around, and you think, why don't we just watch Netflix tonight? Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you have this process of, you want to introduce some change into your life that you think will add value to your life. You actually introduce a change, and it proves to add value. But for some reason, we go back to default. And the default is just getting in front of the TV with your partner. And ultimately, the question is, is how do we cement change that... We know we want, but we, for some reason, we never get around to doing. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take John through a series of questions here. And if, as I'm doing this, if you're listening to this, you can even just choose an area and maybe work through the questions yourself. Or one thing you could do is you could actually just pause. If you really want to do some homework on this, is actually listen, listen to this, stop, pause, and go write down your answers because it's a really cool process. So we'll use it as an athlete. Um, or if you want to go to another area, you can. Um, athlete's good. Okay. So what's one area as an athlete where you know you want to change? And maybe you've tried to change, and, you, and when you've tried to change, you've added value, but you, you kind of keep going back to default. Flexibility, specifically hamstring flexibility and doing stretching or yoga. Okay. So for you, this and what's the, what's the cost of not doing that? Uh Struggling to tie my shoes sometimes. Okay. So, uh, so it actually limits life a little bit? And... I believe higher risk of injury. Okay. Uh, those would be the main two. And probably a bit of guilt about not doing it. Mm. Okay. I was literally sitting in front of the TV last night going, I should be doing some hamstring stretching right now. Didn't do it. Okay, so there's a little bit of guilt. There's a little bit of limiting life. Not a massive way, but even just those moments where you shit, my hamstrings are tight. Uh, and the concern of injury moving forward. Mm-hmm. What don't you like about the fact that you're not doing your flexibility? Uh... 
where I know the, the consequences and I don't like that I'm being a bit lazy. Okay. So cool. those be the two main things. Okay, so what you don't like the fact that you know, there's just this risk mm-hmm. and let's say you get into a peak period of training, you get injured, then you mm-hmm. beat yourself up because like I should have done that stuff before. Mm-hmm. And then what was the second thing? Uh, well, like for example, last night, knew I should have been doing it and so then there was that guilt of going, I know I should be doing it, I'm still not doing it. Okay, so it's kind of emotional. And, and then I'm being lazy. Okay, cool. So there's a bit of self-identification there that's not healthy for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, what do you want instead? What do I want instead? Uh, I probably just want an easy out, but I also need structure. So that's probably my main thing. If I programmed it in, uh, which I should do, or went to a no, class. No, no, but like, what, like we'll talk about that in a second. But what do you want? So you, so you want to have flexibility? Mm-hmm. You want to feel that you're doing everything to be the best athlete you can? Yep, well, and, and preventing injuries, basically. Okay, okay cool. Mm. Uh, what are you currently doing well in this area? Very little. Okay. So, so Very little. Okay, so you're actually not doing much at all? No. Okay. So what aren't you doing? And it's, you kind of started answering this before, but what aren't you actually doing? Putting things in place to make it a priority. So with training, doing your standard swim, bike, run, that's happening at 10 o'clock, that's happening at 12 o'clock, that's happening at 8 o'clock. It's sort of scheduled into my my diary and make it happen. And it's those other things are things that I enjoy doing more. Okay, so you're not scheduling it. You're also not creating an environment where you make it enjoyable. Hmm. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, I'm going to introduce this concept here. So so just to recap, what you said is you don't like the fact that you um, are not doing your flexibility for your hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a cost in that. And the cost is the bit of the calling yourself lazy, mm-hmm. concerned about injury, and a little bit of life limiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you want instead is to know you're looking after your body and to, and to actually feel like you're doing everything you can do to be the best athlete possible. What you're not, what you're doing well is actually you're doing nothing well. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said it. I'm, I'm doing my other exercise well, but but in this, well. in this area in this of change, area, yeah, in this area of not change, not doing well. And then, uh, what are you not doing? Is you're not structuring it in your life, and you're actually not making an environment that makes it appealing for you to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's this concept called what we call a competing commitment. Mm-hmm. So a competing commitment is, and, and I'm going to share some examples here actually. Um, a competing commitment is when you know you should do something, but you talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got a commitment to do my flexibility tonight, but then there's a thing that talks me out of doing it. And this is one of the biggest problems when we look at a change journey is because we, there's things we know we should do and we understand the value of it. Mm. But this competing commitment in the moment when you should do it, you don't do it. And, and I'll share an example. So um, I worked with a lady who was a school principal. And we went through those questions, and her thing was, she didn't go to the she didn't go to the gate in the morning, and she didn't go to the gate in the morning. And as a school principal, it's a really important part of the community because mm-hmm. that's when the parents are there, the kids are there, the kind of hub is there. And she was really frustrated because she knew she should go to the gate, but she didn't go to the gate. Mm-hmm. Now, so what? So we kind of just I'll just quickly take you through some of her answers. So like. She didn't like that she wasn't going to the gate. She didn't like that she wasn't being a leader in her community. She didn't like that she felt um, other other leaders in her community were more impactful. So these kind of the problems. Um, what she wanted instead was to be a, a connected to her community to be seen as a leader. That's mm-hmm. what she wanted to be seen. 
what she was doing well was when she did go to the gate, which was pretty really, she was engaged and it was an enjoyable experience. But that was kind of like 20% of the time. Uh, what she was not doing was she wasn't planning it well and she wasn't prioritizing it in a day. So it was always the first thing to go in her day. Now, when we looked at her competing commitments, so this was this moment, she'd sit down at her desk at the morning, she'd have to go to that gate at 8.30. Around 8.20 or 8.15, she'd think, oh, I should go out to the gate. Now, her competing commitment was, it feels unproductive and I could spend this time smashing out other things. Mm. So while she knew going to the gate was really valuable, in her head, she go, yeah, but I've got these other three tasks that I need to do. So, you know what? And it's going to the gate. actually, I've got other things that are more important right now. Mm. Even though she says that going to the gate was probably more important, in that moment, that was her competing commitment. So when you think about last night on the couch, when you think I need to do the stretch, or other times when you, what's that competing commitment for you? Probably just relaxing, having downtime. Okay, so I deserve some downtime. Mm. Okay, so when you think I should do this thing, you, it's basically a, I've worked hard enough. I, I, yeah, and it's it's just a being late, probably just being a bit lazy. Okay, so and I, and I, I suppose the other thing is evenings don't really work for me. Okay, okay, of, good. Yeah, yeah okay. So you know, I had this one athlete talking to an athlete yesterday actually, and he does most of his training in the evening. I said mornings always for me, or, or during the day. Yeah, I do very very minimal in the evenings. So you're so I've kind of switched off. So your competing commitment is. Um, I I'm just training. Work, work never, never works for me, mm. um, and it's time for me to relax anyway. Mm. Okay, so, so you can see when you sit on that couch and you think I should do my hamstring flexibility, you actually have a competing commitment that says it's time for me to relax, and training doesn't work for me at night. Mm. So obviously, planning wise, it's never going to be a good time to plan it in. But you can see how in that moment. Now, do you have other times when you plan to do hamstring flexibility outside of evenings where you don't do it? I can make time. No, but no, but when you don't. Like where you have planned and you haven't done it? Uh, I'd say I'm definitely a lot better during the day. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's kind of like the first layer. And this is what you need. And if you're listening to this, that's what you, I want you to think about. Is I want you to think about in those moments, if you've been going through this process I've been taking John through, is what's the change you want? And in those moments when you know you should do that thing, what's that competing commitment? Mm. And And John's competing commitment was, um, it's time for me to relax and I'm not good at training at night. So even though he's saying you should get on the floor and do the hamstring, which realistically is a pretty easy thing to do, totally. but there's this competing commitment that stops him from doing it. So that change is never going to happen. Now, while we talk about a competing commitment, <coughs> excuse me, there's a much deeper layer. And in this area here, it might not be so true for John, but we'll, we'll dig into it. What we're really looking for is what's the underlying belief. Now, I'll go back to the principle as example. So the underlying belief can often be quite raw and quite vulnerable. I don't think it's going to be in John's situation, but we'll dig. Um, so when we went back to the principle, she said her competing commitment was, I'm busy and other things are important. But what we're really looking for is what's the core belief that we need to change in this area? And I said, well, really, what's the core reason that you're actually not going to the gate? And, and it was quite revealing. This lady said, my DP is a rock star with people. You DP, know, deputy principal? Deputy, yep, deputy principal. Um, and in this example, like the DP goes out to the, to the gate and high fives, great mm. energy, just a big personality, absolute rock star. Now, this principal was not that person. Mm. This principal, deep thinker, good with people, but more in a one-on-one -on -one way. Mm -hmm. And so if you got time with this principal, you had 
a really impactful interaction with this principal. But she wasn't the, you know, the crowd pleaser in the game. So the underlying belief was, I'm not as good as my DP and nobody will notice me anyway. So you can see, while she would use her competing commitment of justifying being busy, the real problem we had to work on was, I'm not as good as my DP and nobody will notice me anyway. Because while she sits down there at desk, she's justifying being busy, but actually the real problem is that insecurity and vulnerability that she's experiencing. And this is, and when we think about trying to create long-term cemented change, this is the thing you've got to figure out, is what's my underlying belief? Now, admittedly, hamstring stretching, we might not find one here, but do you think no. there is an underlying belief? Uh, not really. I just think for where I'm at at the moment, it's not as big a priority. I haven't got any big targeted races, so it's like... Oh, no, that, that's probably a good underlying belief. Mm. So the underlying belief is... Um, I'm I, not in race mode, yeah. not in building up for an event mode. So when I'm not at my peak, I don't need to be my best athlete. Mm. Okay. It's, Whereas if I was training for Kona or training for Road or training for a particular race, dare, I dare say I probably still wouldn't do that much at night, but I'd probably make it happen during the you'd day. you plan it better so it would happen. Schedule it in. Okay, so the underlying belief that John's sitting in is when I'm not at my peak, I can be lesser of an athlete. Hmm. Okay, cool. Okay, well, that's a really good underlying belief to discover. Hmm. Now, so that means if we go back to what you're not doing, so we first we go back to your competing commitment. Your competing commitment says at night, I feel I need to relax and I'm not a good trainer at night. Mm-hmm. And the thing you're not doing is you're not planning it at times that can work for you and so on. So, But when we look at the underlying belief, the underlying belief is I'm not in my peak time, so I don't actually need to, to go to that level. Mm. Okay. So, And as you're listening to this, now John and I, we're doing a pretty surface one here, hamstring stretching. Mm. But if you if you can see with the DP, it can get really raw. And some mm. of the stuff I've, you know, some of the ones I've done with clients, this is a process I often do with clients, um, you can get some pretty hard answers mm. um, but for a lot of I imagine a lot of mid-pack athletes at triathlon is not a massive part of their life or they they think they're maybe not worthy I think that that would probably resonate with them fairly yeah, well totally well mm. interestingly like I had a client who um, uh, like a CEO top end mm. dude and um, his thing was uh, what was his thing it was like um if I don't try to get a hundred, I'll never fail. Mm. And he was a guy who was a really intelligent kid, like he just, he, you know, but he never totally wanted hundred percent um, study for exams mm. because it was like then he couldn't fail, mm. you know. And that was his underlying belief. So he was a re- he was a, like successful guy, but actually he was not really doing the most important work because mm. you know. And this is what the if you can get really raw about the underlying because when we think about cementing un- the real change, we've actually got to figure out what the underlying belief is. Mm-hmm. So then what we say is, so for your underlying belief, we're saying your underlying belief is, when I'm in my peak, I just don't need to try as hard. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. And and as much as we're saying currently putting at night's a bad strategy, when you're at your peak, you'd actually plan it at a better time and make it an environment that's a bit more mm-hmm. appealing. Okay. So then what we need to do is find what is a better belief. So if we go back to the principle, what we said here is, so what we're trying to find is, because we, we want to shift away from the belief that's limiting us. So ultimately... You'd like to be an athlete who's always looking after your hamstring or always mm-hmm. doing the body care work that means you can train at your best and mm-hmm. lose the guilt. For the principal, we needed to get her to the gate. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, she needed to be a strong community leader and be seen as that leader. So, but we, we need to find a new belief. So her new belief was, I can be a more impactful leader when I'm connected with my community and I'm allowed to do it in a way that's right for me, which is being a presence that allows people to explore a deeper side. So as I said before, 
she's not the big high five person. Mm. She is the going to get some deep time. You're going to walk away going, wow, that was a really valuable conversation. So what, what we said is that she, if she could see herself as an impactful leader and be connected with community when she can do in a way that's right for her, which again is to be a present that allows people to explore a deeper side, then when she gets at 8.15 in the morning, she thinks about that, mm-hmm. there's, there's a higher chance of her going to the gate. Whereas if she thinks, I'm not going to do my DP and nobody will notice me, she's never going to create the change. And so what we've got to find is what's a better belief in this area of change. So for you, what's a better belief? If we go back to the belief that's holding you back, so when I'm not on my peak, I don't have to be as sharp. Mm. What's a better belief for you to put in place? I just need to... Just need to schedule things in. It's not really a belief, No, though. no, it's because it's an action. It's an action. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question, Bevan. Well, it could be something simple like... Um, I'm developing my ability to prove that I can consistently always be a high-level athlete, mm-hmm. you know, and no matter what the goal, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's probably a good one for you. So mm-hmm. I'm developing my ability to prove that I can consistently do high-level things no matter what the goal. Because what you're kind of saying is, is you're a great athlete and there's always like this 80% of you that you're always going to turn up to, mm-hmm. even at your down times. But then when you've got a goal, there's that extra 20%. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of... What you what we're kind of unveiling, revealing here is that John Newsom is always a strong, consistent, routine athlete. But there's that twenty percent which comes and goes depending on the goal, and mm-hmm. and I get it because also you're going to say well certain goals take more life, mm. but even with some of the fundamentals of like body care work, so it might not be that when you're training for Kona you're going to do twenty five hours of training a week. That's not the, the, what we're looking for here. It's just that you're ticking the boxes of those things, which would represent hundred. So a better belief would say. I'm developing my ability to consistently do the things that always make me a great athlete, no matter what the goal is. Mm-hmm. You know, because what you would you say that you're better depending on the goal? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you haven't got a great goal, you, you're always going to be a lesser version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and ultimately, what we're saying is we'd like you to develop your ability to be always a good version of yourself. And the goal is just you know you might do some more training, mm. but yeah, okay. So that's that's a new belief for you. For those listening, that's what you're looking for, is you're looking for a belief that shifts from the old belief. So again, John's old belief was, if I'm not on my peak, I don't need to try as hard. The new belief is I'm developing my ability to be a peak level athlete, no matter what the goal is. Mm-hmm. You know, so to do the next level things, no matter what the goal. So once we've found a new belief, then what we're going to do is we're going to build evidence. And evidence of the new belief. So what we because when we think about beliefs... Beliefs aren't just plucked out of nowhere. Like one thing I find really frustrating and, and a lot of self-help is self-help is very much just kind of, if you believe it, it will come. Mm. You know, if you look at The Secret, the book The Secret, did you ever read The Secret? No. You know, it's kind of the law of attraction and it's it's pretty eerie fairy stuff. And it's just kind of like, if you believe you get that car park, you're going to get that car park. <laughs> now, there's, there's the law of attraction is not always necessarily a, a bad thing because what it's really saying is if I put my focus somewhere maybe I can problem solve to solve you know like a, like I want to be in a live performing band with a fan base who likes our music well that's a focus and if I put my attention and action plans towards that that's hopefully something I can achieve so it's, that's kind of what the better use of that instead of just saying I want to be in a live band and do nothing mm. to actually create the change so then when we look at when you create change in someone's self-belief you need evidence and I'll give a really good example with our running group, we've got a 5K running group. Everyone who joins don't think they're going to run 5K. 
Mm-hmm. Like everyone, now we mm-hmm. train, we have a 90% success rate. So we know how to get, we know when they join, we're going to get them to run 5K. But everyone who joins, and they don't think they're going to like running, the mm-hmm. only reason they join is they see we've helped people like them. Mm. You know, so it's our credibility is so strong, they think, well, these guys might be able to help me. We, what we've done is we've designed this really good model to help people safely progress forward. And what happens is they come along to the first session, and the first session they can't fail. Like we, mm. they, The most important thing in the first session is they walk away from that session and go, shit, I did it. So we, we set them up to win, and then they do three sessions like that. And then the next week we stretch them, but we only stretch them safely. That Again, they can only win. And what's happening is over these weeks they're having experiences of winning and building new evidence around themselves around exercise. Now, a fascinating thing always happens about week six in the program. It's an eight-week program. At week six, they, it's almost like to a day, people come up to me and say, Bevan, I see other runners, and I think I'm like them. Mm. Now, this is a massive moment in the exercise journey because what's happened in that moment is they've shifted their belief about themselves as a runner. At the beginning of the journey, they thought, I suck at exercise. I'm never about to run. I'm just going to do this because these guys seem like they're doing it. What's happened is that week six, when they see like a John Newsom running around the park or they see anyone else running around the park, they go, I'm a runner. Now, what's happened in that moment might is... might see me walking because I've got bad hamstrings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what's happened is, what we've done is, by that stage, they've had about 24 training sessions with us. Mm-hmm. And in that stage, they've had 24 moments of evidence which is reinforcing a new belief in themselves. So when we think about once we've found our new belief, your job is to actually create an evidential experience that reinforces the new belief. So, and if I go back to the principle, the example I have with the principle was, um, what she had to do is her first bit of homework was to go to some of her leading teachers and say, well, who are some parents who need a deep conversation? And then on the morning, she'd go up to those parents and talk to the parents about that stuff. So she was building experiences that, showed evidence of that better belief of I can be the presence I want in a deeper, meaningful way for my community. So for you, what's some evidence, and it even doesn't even be around hamstring, because again, the mm. new belief we're trying to find is I, I'm developing my ability to be a high-level athlete no matter what the goal is. What are some of the things that you're not doing that we can build some evidence to reinforce that belief? Probably just logging it. Okay. So just hitting my watch and log it each week, okay. and then I can actually see that it's happening. Okay, logging, it seems like planning. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know. could you make a better environment? Uh, no, I'm pretty good with my environment. Okay, logging and planning for me. Okay, so and what we're looking for is, if you did that, would you feel you're doing the high level stuff that would be make you feel you definitely? Yeah. Okay. So that would be evidence of the new belief. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your job would be to make sure this week you log and plan. Mm. Now the next thing you need to do is post the experience. You want to do an attachment statement. So let's say you plan to do your stretch because you know it's not going to work at night, so it'd be a stupid strategy. So you're going to plan to do your strategy, your stretch on a... 10 minutes after every run, okay. for example. Okay. And what about a deeper stretch like a yoga session? At least one a week. Okay. One, one a week. And when would you plan that in? Wisely? Uh, during the day. Okay. So let's say on a Wednesday you plan at lunchtime. Yep. Now, once you've done that yoga or done your stretch, then what you do is you say, and so an evidence statement is about attaching the evidence of the experience to the new belief. So you'll go, um, you'd go, let's say you do yoga on Wednesday. This here is evidence. Me doing yoga today is evidence that I'm the kind of person who's developing my ability to be a high level athlete no matter what the goal. 
you know? Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and what that is doing is it's reinforcing you are the new person. Now, it doesn't happen straight away. If we think of my get up to five experience I was talking about, they have 24 experiences before they have see that shift in their belief. And that's what you've got to, once you've, you know, like, you basically got to look to build lots of experiences and then attach that experience to the new statement. Eventually what happens is you sit in a new belief. Mm. And this is the real, and I'll, I'll give a last example because we're close to the finish here. You know, I've, I've talked to you guys a lot about how I'm trying to be in music in my life. And the, one of the reasons I've always wanted to be a musician is I love being in front of people. I've done it for all my life. I love being a fitness professional. And I always love, I love the ability to be able to express myself in front of people. It's one thing that's really important to me. And I also know that as a fitness professional, you know, it's a young man's game. So I've realistically, at the, at the top level, got a couple of years to go. Um, but realistically, probably 10 years more of, of being in front of people. And so music was always going to be my next thing. And so about five, six years ago, I kind of developed this plan to become a band. Now, in the last 18 months or so, I've gone to a band and we've started playing live. My, my belief was I'm not a very good musician. And when I play in front of people, I just make mistakes. Hmm. That was my inner belief. So my better belief was I'm developing my ability to be able to express and connect with an audience. That's, that was my better belief. So if you'd watched me, we've played together now probably 13 times live. If you'd watched my first performance, I was all my old belief. Mm-hmm. And now I'm about 13 experiences into it. I'm getting feedback that's telling me, people are saying, oh, you've got lots of energy on stage. You know, you're a bit crazy. So mm-hmm. I'm developing my ability to, and every time I'm having experience, because I video every session, I watch it. Now, I'm still not where I want to be, but I use that attachment statement. Okay, there's some evidence to prove that I can do this and that. I also give myself, okay, the one thing I'm not doing very good is I'm not very good at looking at the crowd yet. So I also give myself some homework and some targets to actually prove better evidence moving forward. But within myself, I am actually starting to feel I'm a much better presence on stage than what I was 13 times ago. And that's because I'm using this process to help me shift my belief. And eventually I'll be someone who goes, you're a really awesome stage presence. And not because I'm arrogant or cocky, it's because I've built the evidence. Mm. And so to recap, what we're looking to do is you're trying to identify the area of change that that you're holding yourself back in. Going through the questions I went through, John, and again, just a qu- the questions just quickly were, um, let me pull them up, it was, uh, what I don't like, what I want instead, what I'm doing well, what I'm not doing, learning what your competing commitment is, John's competing commitment was, at night, I deserve a rest, uh, learning your underlying belief, I don't need to be a high level of athlete when I haven't got a great goal, learning your better belief, I'm developing my ability to be a great athlete, everything that's needed even when I haven't got a goal, and then what's my evidence and the attachment statement. If you can do this, you and you actually commit to the evidence and attachment statement, you actually shift your belief and it massively changes your life moving forward. Very nice. Mm, so that's yep. Bevan yeah. segment. Okay, good work. Uh... What next? I've got my notes in front of me. Uh, we'll go website of the week. week. This is a, just be a quick and easy one. It's called plotaroot.com. Okay, you're going to plot a route? Plot a route. So I, I Don't take it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the route is R-O-U-T-E. So is it a bit like Met My Run? It's like Met My Run. It's like Ride with GPS. Um, it's just one that I started using more from an event director point of view. I use Ride with ridewithgps.com for, for all my camps and stuff. What I liked about this one though um, is you can create a route and then it can kind of give you a little flyby over the top of it. Uh, so what I mean is like when you... So when you've you, created a route for me. I've created a route for <laughs> you. You should be creating routes for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm a married man. And um, hold on, I've lost my page. Oh, the bivalve loop. 
Uh, where am I going? Uh, and it'll basically do a little flyover. So not only does it, you know, if you picture in your mind, you know, when you see a map. Um, How do I do for, the flyover? Well, you just press play. Okay. So, so once I've played it, once I've got a route that's set up, um, and if I'm going to put this on one of my event pages, you can basically press the play in the bottom left corner and it's going to basically show you exactly the route and which direction it goes um, and so on. So if you're an event organiser, I saw this on an event website in the UK, I thought this works heaps better if you're trying to put maps and stuff on websites. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was a good little site. So plot a route. Dot com. Okay, and it's all good. Uh, but but like just just in terms of, I'm, I'm going to probably talk about Epic Camp a little bit. For Epic Camp, I use Ride with GPS.com. The good thing with that is then you can create all, all sorts of GPS or dot .fit files, and then you can export them to can your. Can you do this with Garmin. Pop My Route? I don't think so. I just like it more from an event organizer. So basically, I'm pushing play, and it's not really. It's a, like here, bottom, bottom left corner. Bottom left corner. So it just goes like that. That's that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's pretty, it is pretty basic. But it's, it's pretty basic, but it just has a little cursor just following the, the direction. Oh, of so the, it's more about direction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And you can ha also have the prof the uh, elevation profile showing below, so you can see at what points on the course the hills come up and stuff. Okay, Epic Camp preview. This is going to be quick because uh, we'll be the next two weeks. You're going to hear a lot of Epic Camp interviews. I leave in a couple of days for our camp. Thankful as long as things don't change in the next 40 hours, it's happening. Uh, so <laughs> come on, 40 hours. <laughs> it's like we're on a COVID knife edge in New Zealand. Uh, mm. So you're going to hear a lot about the point system. So I thought I could very quickly go over that because you'll hear athletes talking about points here and there, and you'll be going, What the hell are they talking about? So when you're on Epic Camp, you get one point for every three kilometer you swim. We have a points competition, and you have a yellow jersey for the overall leader. We've got a pink jersey for the first female, and you've got, we've got a polka dot jersey. Um, for the King of the Mountains and this year we've got quite a few couples on the camp we've got a couples jersey green jersey for combined points together so every three kilometres you swim couples jersey yeah well they'll have to fight over how many couples are there oh there's quite a lot oh it's okay like, it's going to be quite a bizarre experience oh, it's going to end up in arguments yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a good strategy this is what the singles are thinking they go oh, how's this going to turn out uh, uh, it's going to be fine we know we know pretty much all of them uh, so when you're going along every three k you Imagine swim if someone broke up because of it <laughs> Although they're fighting up a couple, so you get one point. But basically, the, the the theory is you're pretty much getting for a point for each hour of activity. So one point for a three k swim, uh, or every three k you do. One point for every thirty kilometres, or you know it's roughly twenty miles of cycling you do, and one point for every ten kilometres, or what's that in miles? About six miles that you run. Uh, so that's an easy way of accumulating points. Just doing volume, boom, 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 keep it going. There's bonus points if you do long rides, like if you get up to a 200-kilometer ride, there's bonus points, and likewise with two-hour runs. So you can go even longer, get more bonus points. And then we have all sorts of events within the camp, um, sort of handicap races um, for each individual discipline, standard races where we're doing aquathon, triathlon, um, and then we do some other crazy things. And uh, we, I don't know if people listen. Maybe I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but there's a few sort of classic gym type exercises oh, that we really? sometimes do like in the past 200 we've, done, we've done a wall sit um, yeah we did that and we did 100 press oh, f uh, maximum press ups maximum I that press ups yeah you probably did, yeah, did um, yeah, pretty we've, done a, we've done a rock throw once before that wasn't so good <clears throat> we've had uh, speed mini golf um, we've oh, had, did you? we had transitions we've had running with your bike how did you score speed mini golf 
Was it time end? It was quite a few years ago, and it got uh, kicked out pretty quickly by Gordo. He wasn't happy because he got beaten. <laughs> we had free throws once before. Uh, how many free free throws you could get in a minute? So we have a few other little. Did you watch? Did you watch that thing with Steph Curry, where he got like a hundred free throws in a row? No, unbelievable. Yeah. Like it may have even been more. It was absolutely freakish. So the cool thing with this camp, as with the last epic camp that I did, the big one, it was the first time I've ever had a full wide variety of athletes. So yes. we've got not not 17-hour athletes, but we've certainly got athletes ranging from sort of about nine hours um, down to certainly mid-packs. So I was really surprised at how durable and resilient the athletes were last year. So you're going to hear over the next two weeks from a variety of athletes. Most of them are sort of more mid-pack athletes rather than uh, some sort of Kona qualifiers and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'll probably just go through the route over the next couple of weeks, but we're going down to the south of the South Island, Ooh, and that's going to be awesome. The the, um, probably some of the most picturesque parts of the country, Mount Cook, Milford Sound, Queenstown. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's paradise. So, camp's coming up. That's what you're going to get a, a truckload of the next Can two someone weeks. get in by tomorrow? <laughs> I have got one space available. <laughs> in case if you hear this today. One space available. <laughs> someone's can... locked up in Waikato, can't come. Oh, so, if you cancel your life tomorrow, you can do it. John Swinset. John, oh, wait, wait of the week? Oh, Wanger of the Week. Okay, I'm going to say 50. Halfway. 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 Okay. Let me have a look. Halfway. Let me have a 50. look. 50. 50, 50, 50, 50. 48, 49, 50. Greg Bassam. Oh, Greg. Greg is from the UK, but he lives in New Zealand. Now, he lived in Christchurch for a while. Oh, did he? Uh, I'm not sure if he's, I don't think he's still here. Pretty fast athlete. Uh, last week, he did six activities. Two hours and thirty-six of biking, ten hours and fifty-six minutes of running. That's a lot of running. He's in Tauranga. 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 Sorry, I shouldn't correct people. I know it's wrong, but I'm fluent in Tereo now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you're fluent, are you? <laughs> you should do a whole show on it. <laughs> uh, so Greg Bassett, he lives in Tauranga now, but he's from Tauranga. the UK and the Bay of Plenty. Uh, he's a pretty fast, dude. I remember the first. My first impression of him, we had these J, what they called the JD Duathlon series that I organised. Yeah, well, his predicted time in a marathon is 2.33. I don't know if he's quite that quick, oh, um, but he's time. probably not far off. But he came along and uh, there's another guy in Christchurch called Axel Riser. This was quite a few years ago, like I'm talking. And Axel's a good athlete. Yeah. Uh, and he beat Axel. I was like, who the hell is beating Axel in this race? And it was Greg. And so yeah, he's got an estimated 10k time of 30.54. Again, he's not quite that quick, and an estimated 5k of 12.53. Definitely not that quick. Uh, but he's a really solid athlete. He's from the UK, and he put in a solid week of training and uh, pretty consistent. And I actually saw him as well. I remember this. We were doing the Root Burn, which is one of the great walks in New Zealand. Yeah, it's amazing race. And oh, we did oh. it. Over, it's. I did the race. Yeah, Paul and I did it. We were we were walking through, and we were about halfway through on day two maybe and Greg comes running through with a bunch of runners and they mm. were they were running in one direction one day so good on them if you ever get down to New Zealand it's because it's really it's a beautiful walk mm. and there's this kind of lake at the top isn't there mm. you know and it's it's absolutely it's stunning haven't done all of the great walks yet but that was definitely my favourite are there nine uh, turned I think it's ten now it was either nine or ten or I think it's ten do they market it around the world um, you know, because you think like the Great Ocean Road, like I love the Great Ocean Road, but I kind of thought the West Coast was just as good, if not better. Mm. You know, and you kind of think, you know, the Great Ocean Road is an iconic kind of tourist thing. You yeah. know, the Great Walks of New Zealand, you'd I think, think so. It's pretty limited capacity when you to do them. It's really hard to get on them now. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Even when we're all closed up, it's still hard to get on them. Yeah. 
So there you go, Greg Bassam, you are our wanger, wanger of the week. week. Okay, John, you swim. What do you do for your swim? Swim Apparently, rule morning. breaker. Uh, a little bit of rule breaking this morning, but um, you're the reason the country's closed. We, we had our own bubbles. Um, so what did we do this morning? Two hundred warm up, two hundred twenty five drill, twenty five free, two one hundred IMs, and then we got into the chunkier stuff. We did eight one hundreds on one forty. We're not we're not slamming it too hard at the moment. Hundred easy IM, two four hundreds moderately hard to hard, hundred easy IM. And then we did an 800 where you're changing your pace. You're going 25 hard, 25 easy, 50 hard, 50 easy, 75 hard, 75 easy, 100 hard, 100 easy, and then worked your way back down. So an 800 continuous and then warm down. And that was about 3.3K, something like that. Yep. Good little session. Good little se- How far is the boy swimming? Sorry? How far is the boy swimming? Uh, he he's a bit, does a bit of standing on the ends. Oh, does he? So that's a, but he needs to change. It, he does, yeah. He's, he's getting better at getting into the pool. Like, man, get in. Like, you turn up and it's like, boom, we're Go in. Yep. I've done like, half the time I've done like 200 metres before he even gets in. He's fiddling with his goggles and, yeah. Just get in. He's got some work-ons in that area. Work-ons. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons. I'll go first. I'll go Anthony Long Train Running Weeks. James, the Red Rocket Thomas. Rob, fancy, fast, fast, fancy feet or triple F. Dally Moore. Locked up in Auckland, zwifting the world down. He's been doing some group rides, isn't he? I think I see on Facebook. Is that Rob? Uh, yeah, probably. Well, he, he does a lot of Zwift racing. Yeah, yeah. Team time trialing and things like that. And also, Rob does, he, he was the guy who does the bit of commentary for the, when we had the Try and Z Zwift racing. So there you go. Nice guy, really nice guy. And if you've got feet problem and you're in Auckland, he's the man to see. Yes. He is indeedy. Okay, sponsors. Well, we've got a major sponsor. Morton. So if you're in the US or the EU, go get yourself a free sample. Just do it. Everywhere else in the world, go try out their products. They're going to be on stock at the races. Plus, it's an awesome product. So check out Morton and go via imtalk.me or go via our uh, Facebook page and that'll make sure you get the special deal. Definitely. Make sure you do it. Uh, if you want to get your email to you, talk.me become patrons at the same place and you can just go there support the boys and what we do thank you to all the patrons you absolutely rock for coaching coachjohnnewson.com for my website Bevan James Isles uh, I did my latest podcast yesterday if you kind of like what I did today that's, I'm kind of all about that kind of stuff and then other cool websites age group of the weeks and other feedback imtalkpodcast at gmail.com John you goss not too much just getting ready for the big epic camp so How's the, how, now how much training are you doing not much. I'm on support crew on this one, okay. so I'll just jump in and out and do bits and pieces, try not to annoy people too much. But oh, it's gonna be hard. pretty excited <laughs> by the, the challenges and um, yeah, the, some of the racing we do, or that they're going to do this time, is pretty cool. It's you see people going really deep, and you go, "This is like day three, and you're killing yourself." Uh, but How many days through. is it? It is. Is it nine days or ten days? Nine nine days, I think, ten, ten and, nights. And, and so is, is this a light or is this an epic camp? No, this is a full Monty. Oh, okay, well. So in general, it's a, it's a bit tricky with the swimming on this camp. Normally, it's swim, bike, run every day. This camp, we've, I've just managed to get five swims because COVID restrictions, it's yeah. really hard to get pool space. Uh, so, but yeah. you swim outdoors? Nah, it's too cold too down cold. south. Up, up north in the north of the South Island, yep. you can swim, but down south. Okay. I checked the temperature in Dunedin where we're starting, and it's... Uh, it is eleven point six degrees centigrade. Really, a little bit, a little bit too yeah, too it. cool. But generally, you know, swimming 
about 3K a day, 2 to 3K biking. I think the average is probably about 110 to 120. Biggest rides are going to be 170 to 200 kilometers. And we've got a couple of long runs. There's one long run, I'm two runs, really looking forward to. Hopefully we get some nice weather. I'll tell you guys about them later on. So that's sort of been uh, been the go, really, the last um, week, just getting getting stuff sorted, trying to organize races at level at our sort of COVID levels is challenging and everything seems to be getting cancelled. But not mine, luckily. Yeah, you are lucky. Mm. Yeah, Queensland Marathon's apparently announcing this, this week. That's off, for sure. Cool, of course it is. Yeah. Can't see it happening. We're going to put on a race for our group just along the waterfront. There was a race that was supposed to be on at the weekend in Christchurch that should have probably been on. It's called the Crater Rim. It's this big ultra that goes yeah. all the way around our harbour. It would be a really cool run to do. Um, very cool ultra. Apparently the, the endurance is... Pretty full on. Oh, it'd be crazy. It's, yeah. it's hilly the whole way. Like, there is and, and no like flat. Fighting through bushes at stage. Yeah. You know, a couple of guys I know did it last year. And, and these are good sort of runners, probably like, you know, three to three and a half hour runners. Mm. Um, and yeah, they just, it was, it was, it just wasn't even fun. Yeah. You know, like it just got to the point where you're just miserable. You know? <laughs> but I was went I for a run on Sunday morning and I saw a group of about 10 or 15 loading into cars because yeah. it was supposed to be on Sunday. They must have gone it, driven all the way out and done it. Yeah, it's good on them. Other than that, Bevan, uh, not too much happening in my world. Decided we decided to watch the old uh, Squid Squid Games. Oh, did you watch it? Uh, watch it. We we're about halfway through. What do you I think? Was, I was thinking. It? I was pe- fairly pessimistic because I heard it was all really full on and violent, and I was just thinking it's going to be people beating each other up the whole yeah. time, but it wasn't. And once you get over the the annoyance of the voiceover being a bit odd. Well, some um, people were saying read the subtitles. I, I did you. I did the, just watch the voiceover. Yeah. So I'm doing the voiceover, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, like it. Did you, did you watch Succession? No, it's oh, Neon, isn't it? Ne- you yeah. need to watch it. It's the best show out there. And the latest series begins last night. Mm. It's it's the best show in the last few years. Okay, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Highly. Okay. Yeah, how much I recommend it? Very highly. No, no, just highly. highly. <laughs> just highly. John, what's happening? I've had my first musician injury. Oh no! I oh, know. Strummer's elbow. No, because I don't oh, strum. Yeah, strum. You don't, no. <laughs> that could be another thing, couldn't it? Dicky, the, strummer, Dicky, Dicky finger. the strummer's elbow. Yeah. <laughs> Dicky finger. Not even the Dicky finger, John. So on Friday night, we got asked to play at a Rolling Stone, which is a, a bar in town, really supportive. Um, second time being paid, John. Nice. Second time being paid, yes, indeed. Devin's just grabbing that jelly. He wants a bit more of it. I really was, because I was hoping I could get a little bit more out the top. <laughs> Good job. Um, I see the texture. <laughs> I love that texture. So... They asked us last Sunday if we could play Friday night. And I, I, I'm just like, get as much stage experience as possible. So I said, yes. So Dave, Dave, the guy in the band, he goes, can you play Friday night? Game on. Now we coach big morning Saturday morning. I had to be up at like 4.40. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll do it. But I won't get much sleep, but I'm in. Great. We're locked in. We're playing at 11.30. Oh, I was nice. like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Now in the music world, that's a compliment because we were the feature band. Yeah. So we've played at this pub a couple of times and they really like us and they really, they've really they been really supportive of us, which is great. And so they, we want you to be the feature band. Now the two bands before us were really good. Mm. I don't know if we should have been the feature band, but we were. So play at 11.30, got home about one, mm-hmm. couldn't get sleep because I'm too hyped. Mm-hmm. So I literally got like 30 minutes sleep and had to get up. It was a rough day Sunday, Saturday. I wake up Saturday morning, put my neck. Oh no. Headbanging too much, you Oh no. The headbanger's injury. So I was like literally headbanging so much. Didn't notice it on the night. On the morning. Oh my God, pulled my neck. So is this when you're playing or whether you're uh, perform- when, you're, when you're watching or you're performing? No, no, because you can't dance at the moment because of COVID. Mm. So it's, it is a bit odd because no one can kind of get into your music mm. that much. Look, right. the, the crowd were really supportive, but 
you know, you, you know, people aren't getting up and dancing. No, it was when I was performing. Again, I'm trying to be expressive. Yeah, yeah, working really hard. And when you don't yeah. drink, it can be a little bit harder. Right. You know, because you've got to start. As long as once you get through the first couple of songs, because people seem to like our music. So once you get through a few songs, you kind of just naturally go there. Mm-hmm. But you've got to start strong. Mm-hmm. And so I start strong. And but yeah, so Joe's been massaging my neck. But I'm thinking I might start to do some headbanging reps. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. five minutes a day. Start thirty seconds on, yeah. thirty seconds off. Because if I want to be a rock star. Yeah. I can't, you know, let's say we're still at Wembley. I can't say I can't yeah. do it because my neck's injured. No. So, big problems, John. Big problems. First in the world. world problems. What about this week? Oh, you got Epic. Yep. Going on Epic. That's what all this week's about. Labor weekend. It is. Mm. Yep. Gonna day off it. work. Yeah, it doesn't work like that for me. It doesn't. I'm actually working more on Labor Day. <laughs> That's what that about. Uh, anyway, life of a business owner. Anyway, let's wrap it up, John Boo. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.